Our gospel lesson for this Sunday in the lectionary is taken from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. I encourage you to read the 14th chapter of Matthew this afternoon as part of your spiritual discipline. This is a story about Jesus and then Peter walking on water. How many of you have heard this story? It's a famous story. Many people, even if they haven't attended church, have heard this story. There are a million versions of a sermon on this story. You're going to hear at least one version today. But I invite you now to listen very carefully to hear what the gospel is saying to you on this particular Sunday. Because remember, last Sunday, this gospel immediately follows the feeding of the 5,000, which we heard last Sunday. We heard about the miracle feeding, right? How often do we forget that miracles are still possible in our world today? So Jesus had just done this great miracle, and then this story happens. And it says, immediately, which is a word that Matthew doesn't use very often, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while Jesus dismissed the crowds. So there was no chilling, no, no celebration, no relaxing in the miracle. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while Jesus dismissed the crowds. And after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, Jesus was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, Jesus came walking towards the disciples on the lake. But when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately... Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart. In other versions, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered Jesus, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But When Peter noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught Peter, saying to him, You of little faith, why do you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Here ends the reading. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Sorry, the sermon is not that moving. I'm just so moved to see somebody in the sanctuary. It actually moves me to tears to just see a couple of our people in the sanctuary. I've missed you all. I can't hug you. I can't shake your hands. I can only see your eyes above your masks. And those of you at home, I know you're there because you send us comments. Send us a comment now. Let us know that you're there. Because it is meaningful, meaningful to know that we are there for each other. 
that moves me to tears, not in a bad way, but in a good way, in a powerful way, in a way that helps me know that this message is important, that we don't know that we can walk on water until we have to leave the boat. It's supposed to be about daring to leave the boat, but I think we got tossed out of the boat by the pandemic, right? We kind of got tossed out of the boat. But we don't know that we can walk on water and do church differently and be there for each other differently until we have to do it. And I am so grateful to each and every one of you for helping us demonstrate to the world how to do that. So thank you. I hope all of you are moved by the connection with each other and that you'll share with each other how important it is to stay connected to a spiritual community right now because we are in a liminal time, a liminal space, a space of transition, a space where the past has become uncertain, the present looks very murky, and the future is really, really unknown. But yet it's a place that is potent with possibilities during this pandemic. So today's message is called Daring to Leave the Boat, but I think we're actually already out of there. But let me start with a three-year-old little girl named Abby. And she had trouble sleeping through the night, and she kept waking up because she was afraid. So she kept going to get her parents when she was afraid. How many of you have had a child that did that, that would stay in their own bed, and they came to get you when they were afraid? So each time, her mother would tuck Abby back into bed, And her mother would remind Abby that Jesus was with her and he would keep her safe. So she had to stay in her own bed and pray to Jesus. But the sleepless nights continued and Abby kept running to seek comfort in her parents' bedroom each time she could not sleep. And finally, one night, Abby's tired mother asked Abby if she had prayed for Jesus to take her fear away and help her fall asleep in her own room. And Abby assured her mother, oh, yes, mom, I prayed for Jesus, and he told me to come and get you. Isn't that how we're feeling these days? He told me to come and get all of you. Well, today's gospel text is about fear and our response to fear, especially when we feel alone. We talked about this, that the Bible over and over again helps us as human beings deal with fear and anxiety, but not necessarily in the ways that you might think. And it's because our human condition has never really been safe, if you think about it. And that's what today's message is about. Because the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is fear. No matter your circumstances, the opposite of faith is fear. Now, I mentioned that this particular gospel text has launched millions of sermons. Some of you have heard all of them. How many of you, again, are familiar with this story? Let me know. So I'm going to turn to the pandemic for a moment to illustrate our spiritual dilemma. And some of you are keeping track of how many times I say pandemic in a sermon. You're having little private chats, and I encourage that. Keep yourselves encouraged. Stay connected during this time. Form your online watch parties and share what you're hearing in this sermon and what you think. Because I read and listen to other theologians and pastors. I'm in chat groups with other theologians and pastors during this time. And I especially liked a recent reflection from Dr. Scott Dudley, who is a Presbyterian pastor in the state of Washington, where some of the first COVID cases emerged. 
And he turned my attention to our current TV commercials during the pandemic. It seems that so many of them are now COVID related. Have you noticed that the commercials, whether they are on television or they're on your phone, on social media, and many of the commercials have started to sound the same. See if you don't agree with me this week when you're watching television or watching the commercials scroll on your screen. And the commercial usually goes something like this. There's inspiring music going on, and then there's a voiceover in the background that says, in times like these, unprecedented times, now, more than ever, we're here for you. Jack in the Box is here for you. And I was thinking, awesome, Jack in the Box is now here for me with hamburgers. And then there's the obligatory in the commercial, though we are apart, we are together. We're all in the same boat. And the commercials almost always end with the same words or the same inference. Be safe. We want you to stay safe. Safety is our number one concern. Have you heard those commercials? Have you seen those? And therein lies today's message. It's the message about that word safe. Because that word is more theological than you might think. Now, being safe is a good thing. We want to stay safe. But for many of us, one of our biggest idols is what we call safety. And I want to redefine idol for a minute. And Hank can chime in if he wants to add anything else, a longer definition. But an idol, I-D-O-L, not American idol singing, not that. But idol in the biblical or theological sense is anything we turn to other than God for comfort and strength and encouragement. An idol can be an addiction. It can be food. It can be alcohol. It can be distraction. It can be whatever. An idol is anything we turn to other than God for comfort, strength, and encouragement. And if anything else, this pandemic is actually purging us of our idols in life. It's teaching us that some of our idols aren't going to work for us, especially in the long term. And safety, I'm putting that in quotes, can be an idol. Now, I'm going to qualify that by saying we don't want to take unnecessary risks when it comes to safety. I'm not suggesting that we take needless risks. God gave us a brain, and scientists like Dr. Fauci, and epidemiologists, and public health experts like Dr. Acton, and God expects us to use that knowledge when making our life choices. Can I get an amen? Like wearing a mask, and social distancing, and staying safer at home and away from crowds. It is toxic theology to tell someone that they can disregard public health experts and public mask mandates because God will protect you instead. So get on your motorcycle and join a quarter of a million other people out in South Dakota and risk getting sick. So there I said it. And I get an amen. But there is a big difference between being comforted and being comfortable. And that's what today's sermon is all about. The idea that it is God's job to keep us safe has a whole lot more to do with American culture and fundamentalist theology than it has to do with what's really in the Bible or what Jesus taught. Because if you think about it, who can let me know online? And Hank can fill this in. Look at what happened to the prophets. 
Look at what happened to them. I think it was Isaiah who was told to preach naked, and I'm not going to do that. I think that's a needless risk. We don't need to take that. But look at what happened to the prophets. Jeremiah got thrown down a well. And look at what happened to Jesus. Just take a look at our heroes in the Bible and see what happened to them. They were not safe. They were brave. They were courageous, and we're here today because of them. But were they safe? You tell me. So the idea that it is God's job to keep us safe is really more about American culture and toxic theology. Because if you think about it, if you really think about it, and books have been written about this, we are the most, and again, some of you are not going to like this, but I'm going to say it. Let me know online if you disagree. But today we are the most seat-belted, airbagged, knee-pad-wearing, bike-helmeted, sunscreen slathering inoculated generation in history and it's done nothing but make us more afraid think about that it's done nothing to help us feel safer inside as humans some of you are already getting really anxious right now when i say this and now on top of all of that we face a very real danger, a very scary danger with this pandemic. And so we talk about walking on water in this COVID-19 storm. What does it mean to walk on water in this kind of a, a storm? And I'm just going to say very quickly that we know that COVID is very contagious. It can kill vulnerable people. We're now up to 162,000 deaths. I had to look at this last night online to make sure my sermon was up to date because the numbers just keep going up and up. And so I have to keep checking. We're up to 162,000 deaths and 5 million confirmed cases in our woefully undertested and undercounted country. If you think about it, if we just applied that to Ohio, that's almost half the people in Ohio who have COVID or have experienced COVID. And then, and of course, I just saw over in Licking County that people that I know in Middleton, the um, assisted living facility, passed away. Ten. Ten of them. That's not to count the 23 others who passed away at another nursing home in Newark. People I know, people I've known for a long time. It's, it's just a shame. So we know that COVID can kill. It can cause serious physical complications. And on top of that, there's the whole economic impact. With millions of people out of work, kids going hungry this summer, homelessness and poverty is on the rise. And all of this demonstrates for us that we're not really safe at all. So how many of you now at home are now feeling pretty anxious, right? When we realize where we are. We are in the middle of a storm. A big one. But what if, rather than making us safe, God is with us to help us become brave? Not safer, but braver. What if this story is not about being safe with Jesus, but being brave with Jesus? And those are two different things. So, let me take you a little bit more out into the storm and help you feel even more uncomfortable, right? This is why this sermon's a tough one, because it's not designed to make you feel comfortable. It's designed to make you feel like you're in the middle of a storm during a sermon. 
And that's not a great place to be, especially if you're already here because you want to be comforted. So let me take you out just a little bit further and then I'll bring you back. But I want to go through three reasons why making a false idol of safety isn't really safe at all because safety is a false idol. It's three reasons. You might want to take notes. Number one, I liked this illustration. Have you ever done that? I did that. I rode my bike as a kid. Did you ever do that? I did that. I still have a scar under my chin from that one. Got a lot of gravel under my chin. Have you ever done that on a bike? Now, I didn't stop riding my bike. I was a little more careful. But, yeah, right? There are freak accidents. Number one, for starters, safety is an illusion. We were actually really never safe to begin with. So... I want to just share this with you. I want to share just a little bit of humor with you um, because Dr. Dudley shared an article about freak accidents that have happened in the last hundred years. Now, you can go down a rabbit hole with this, but you might want to investigate this this week. Freak accidents that have happened in the last hundred years. For instance, in London, at the turn of the century, A giant vat of beer exploded and created a wall of beer 25 feet high. Eight people drowned in the beer. Seriously, you can look it up. Some of you are at home Googling it right now, and you're going to put the link in the the comments. But eight people drowned in the beer, and some of you right now are like, well, if you got to go, I guess drowning in beer. Sean is back there. Well, I guess if you got to go, drowning in beer is the way I would pick, right? And then I'll share one more. In Boston, and again, these are true stories. In Boston, and you can't make this stuff up. In Boston in 1910, there was a giant vat of molasses that exploded. And it oozed molasses out onto the street, killing 21 people. 21 very slow people. That's the joke. Can you imagine running through the streets and warning everyone to get out of the way of the molasses that's oozing out into the street? Now, we are making fun of this because enough time has passed, more than a 100 years, and this is called gallows humor. How many of you know what gallows humor is? This is called gallows humor. And I learned about gallows humor when I served as a chaplain at Children's Hospital which became part of how we chaplains coped, and the doctors and nurses as well, became part of how we coped with a world that is not safe. We were in a world where children were hurt and dying, and some got better and some didn't. And gallows humor became a way to cope. Because if you think about it, there's war and violence and poverty and plague, and that is part of our human experience. The Bible teaches us that it's part of our human experience. So the second problem with making safety an idol in our life is that it shrinks our lives. So think about that. The second problem with making safety an idol, taking us away from God, is that it shrinks our lives. If you think about how many relationships that never deepened because we didn't have the rumbles, Brene Brown talks about the rumbles, the daring conversations, the uncomfortable conversations that were needed to work through conflict or pain. Think about the daring prayers that we might never pray for fear that God might actually answer them. 
There's so many ways I could spend the rest of my sermon on this, but I want to say that sometimes the more we try to stay safe, cocooned, the more we shrink our lives until pretty soon everything terrifies us. Think about that. Now, I'm not talking about psychological ailments that require medication and professional treatment and things like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those who are fully competent and have free will and are healthy enough to make choices about how to live their lives. And that's, in this sense, important when we talk about playing it safe because no one ever achieved greatness of soul or an impact in the world by playing it safe. And that brings us to the third and final issue with making safety our idol is that it shrinks God. It shrinks God's role in our life. God in this, if if safety becomes our main concern, God becomes our celestial seatbelt, right? And nothing more. That's a small God. It's a God that we only pray to when we're in trouble or we want a certain outcome. But there is more to God than that. There is an awesome God that comes to us in Jesus this morning in this stormy, daring gospel story when we're way out in the middle of the water and we don't know which way to go. And God is letting us know that God is more concerned that we live brave and vibrant lives in the storm, lives full of courage and mistakes and sinking and swimming, no matter the circumstances. God is asking us not to shrink our lives to fit the storm, but to live our lives despite the storm. So let me go back to the story for a moment. And if you're at home or here in the sanctuary, I invite you to use your phones. We've taken all the pew Bibles out for safety. But take a look at your phone, Matthew chapter 14. And the 12 disciples are out in the boat in the storm, and Jesus calls one of them, who can tell me who got out? In the storm, your pop quiz for the day. Let me know online. Tell, shout it out in the sanctuary. Well, never mind. Don't do that. You have your mask on. I'll tell you. Online. Does someone have it online? Who was the disciple that got called out in the storm? I know there's a little delay online. Did anybody? Okay. We got it. Peter. Peter was the one called to walk on water. And as I mentioned when I read the text, Jesus had just performed this awesome miracle of feeding 5,000 people with loaves and fish. We talked about that last week. But rather than chilling with the disciples after the miracle and celebrating the big win, Jesus sent the 12 out of their comfort zone and into the boat where later in the night there was a storm. And I want you to notice several things about this passage because I literally had about 12 sermons I could have done on this passage. And it was hard to pick exactly what to focus on. So I'm going to give you just a few things to notice in this passage. Notice that the disciples are doing exactly what Jesus told them to do, and they still encountered a storm. Did you ever think about that? That the disciples were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do, and they still encountered a storm. They weren't safe because they did what Jesus told them to do. That's interesting. So just because life is hard does not mean that God is not in it. Because we tend to look for God to come to us in comforting and comfortable ways. But I challenge you today. I know this is a challenging sermon. And some of you might be feeling uncomfortable. But I'm going to challenge you to look for God 
in the middle of your fear, in the middle of your pain? Can you recognize God when God comes to you when you're in fear and when you're in pain? I also think it's important to point out that during the pandemic, we're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat, right? We're all in the same storm, but we are not all in the same boat. COVID is more dangerous for older people and people who have pre-existing conditions. Some people still have their jobs and others don't. For some people, coronavirus is their storm. And for other people, it's the economic impact that is their storm. For some of you, it's figuring out school for your kids that is the storm and the overwhelming fear about what happens when they go back to school or not. For others, the storm is working from home without adequate child care or resources, and I could go on. This storm is different depending on which boat you are in. It's all the same storm, but we are not in the same boat. I think one of the ways that God may be calling us to grow in this stormy season is to gain more compassion for each other by picturing ourselves in someone else's boat. And I'm going to ask you to do a little homework this week and just picture yourself in someone else's boat. Maybe post about that online. Imagine what it must be like to be in someone else's boat during this pandemic. And then maybe that tweet or that post or that comment will look or sound different when you put yourself in that person's boat. So the gospel story goes on and it says shortly before dawn, The disciples are in this raging storm. Jesus went out to them walking on the lake and they were terrified. They thought he was a ghost and they cried out in fear. And Jesus shows up walking on water and says, take heart. And as I mentioned, there are other versions. It says, take courage. I like that. Take heart or take courage. It is I. Notice that Jesus does not say, take comfort. Be safe. It is I. He says, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. That's important theologically. If we were to put this in a contemporary context, maybe I can turn your attention to a movie that Dr. Dudley mentioned, and I've seen it, I hope you've seen it, it's the movie Harriet. How many of you have seen the movie Harriet about Harriet Tubman? Let us know online if you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, let me assign that to you this week for your homework. It's a movie about Harriet Tubman. Harriet was a slave. The short version is she was a slave in the South who then escaped to the North. And rather than stay safe in the North, which she could have done, rather than staying safe in the North after obtaining her freedom, she then made multiple trips back to the South at the risk of her own life to lead other slaves North to freedom along the dangerous Underground Railroad. Now, you may not know that Harriet Tubman was a religious woman. She was a passionate follower of Jesus. And she didn't so much pray, Lord, keep me safe, as much as she prayed, Lord, give me the courage to do your will. Give me the courage to do your will. And that is a very different kind of prayer. I mean, I had to really think about this passage. This is a challenging sermon. It's a teaching sermon. But it really challenged me to share with you this question. What if Jesus didn't come to us in this story to comfort us in the storm of life? 
but came to us in the story to make us brave through the storm. What if this isn't about comfort, but about courage? That's a very different way to look at this passage. Because, you know, confidence, quelling your anxiety, doesn't come from finding a lake that never has a storm on it, because good luck with that. Confidence comes from knowing that we have God with us in the storm, no matter what. And when God is with us, we don't just survive the storm. We are actually given the power to walk on top of the storm. Now, that's a metaphor. But when we see in the story, when Jesus comes walking on the water, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And so another point in this story against teaching sermon. Think about this for just a minute. Put yourself in Peter's shoes for a minute. You're in the boat, it's the middle of the night, you're in a storm, and Jesus comes walking to you on the water. And think about what you would say to Jesus. Would you say, um, Jesus, call me out of the boat and let me go where you are, and uh, I'll see you in a second, Jesus. You probably wouldn't say that, right? Most of us would say, Jesus, make the storm stop. Make me feel safe. Make it go away. How many of us have been there? Yep, we got some hands raised in the sanctuary. How many of us have been there? We often want to feel safe. We want the storm to stop. We want things to calm down. We want it to go away. But Peter doesn't do that. He's a disciple of Jesus. He doesn't ask for the storm to stop. He asks for the power to walk above the storm. He asks for the power to walk above the storm. In this story, what I find so compelling is that Jesus does not improve Peter's condition. He he improves Peter through his conditions. And I'll say that again. Jesus does not improve Peter's conditions, his fear, his anxiety. He improves Peter through his conditions. Think about that. Jesus doesn't make the storm stop. He doesn't make it easier for Peter. He makes Peter braver. And another thing to notice is that Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me out. Because, you know, Peter is not getting out of the boat unless it is Jesus, right? That means we don't take silly risks just because they're there. So I'm saying that especially to our teenagers and our young people. We don't take silly risks just because they're there. You have to make sure it's Jesus calling you, that it's a call from God. The example, the modern example, is you don't jump out of a plane without a parachute and say, Jesus, make me fly. Right? That's really not wise. We risk in response to God's call. We don't risk just because we can. We risk in response to God's call and God's purpose. Another thing to notice is that, did you notice that Peter doesn't ask for a guarantee? He asks for a command. He doesn't ask for a guarantee. Lord, smooth the way, stop the storm, promise me that I won't fail. He doesn't, he doesn't ask that. He asks Jesus for a command. In the middle of the storm, Peter does not ask for a guarantee of safety. He asks for a command, and that's a game changer. I think right now, in the midst of this COVID storm, in the midst of this pandemic, 
What would happen instead of asking God for guarantees? God, make my bank account bigger. Make sure I'm not exposed. Make sure I feel safe and my kids feel safe when they go to school. What happened if instead of asking God for guarantees, we started asking God for commands? Like, Lord, in this storm, what would you have me do? What would you have my family do? What do you want our church to do with our resources? Lord, what is your will for us? Because maybe it's our chance right now to walk on water. This pandemic is our storm. And individually and as a church, maybe it's our chance to walk on water. Not when it's calmer. Not when everything is safe. But now. Because as I mentioned, you don't know you can walk on water until you get out of the boat. And I have to note, as we look at Peter getting out of the boat, take a a look at the scripture, because Peter gets out of the boat while the storm is still raging. He didn't wait till it calmed down. The storm is still raging. He gets out of the boat. And maybe that is part of what our church needs to be doing right now is not waiting until conditions are better or we have more time or we have more money or when things slow down. How many of us have done that with God? Like, you know what, God, I will do what you say, but when I have more money, more time, when things calm down, when I'm feeling better, whatever it is. How many of us do that? We put off a command from God. But Peter doesn't do that. He gets out of the boat while the storm is still raging. And I think that's what God is calling us to do individually and as a church. Jesus says in the middle of the storm, don't wait. Come on in. I can give you the power to rise above the storm. He doesn't say take off your mask. He says, I can give you the power to rise above the storm. Wear your mask. Keep your distance. Do what the doctors are telling us to do. But my goodness, try and make a difference in our community. You know, it makes me think of our pandemic praying and the prayer requests that we receive. How would it change our experience as a church? And I know this is a challenging sermon. I know this. Y'all are good people. I know this is a challenge, but this is a challenging scripture. How much would it change our experience if instead of asking for a guarantee, we ask for a command? Here we are, Lord. Send us. We know the storm is raging. Send us. Too often we focus on prayers like, Lord, help our scientists find a prayer fast so we can get back to normal, so we can get back to helping people. And that's not a bad prayer. That's a fine prayer. But it's also kind of disempowering. Sitting back until there's a vaccine or months and months and months. But if we pray, Lord, we're here now. We're following all of the medical recommendations. We're here now. Send us. That's empowering. It gives us the courage to make a difference during the storm. Now, I have one more point to make, because I know this is a very challenging scripture, and it's a, it's a challenging teaching sermon. Peter gets out of the boat in the middle of the raging storm. He's walking toward Jesus, and what happens next? Who can tell me what happens next in the story? I'll give you a minute to respond online. He saw the wind. 
He got afraid, and what happened? And it, yes, he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Has that ever happened to you? I'll own that. That's happened to me. You start to do something that God asks you to do, and then it gets difficult. And you start to think, and you start to, or sink, and you start to doubt, and you start to question. You know, maybe you try to forgive someone, and that unforgiveness just keeps rising up in you, and it's too hard. Or maybe you get up in the morning. This has happened to so many of you. I have to mention that you get up in the morning and you're feeling really, really good. And then there's one news story, one angry email. And before you know it, you're doom scrolling. That's what they call it now, doom scrolling on social media. And you let the bad news ruin your God-given day. Been there? How many of you have been there? Let us know online, especially during the pandemic. So Jesus says to Peter, you of little faith, why do you doubt? How many of you have heard that over the years? Ye of little faith. But think about it. It is more of a question, not a rebuke. It's a question. Jesus' comment is not about the amount of Peter's faith. It is about the duration of Peter's faith. It's like you started so strong, Peter. Why'd you quit? Why'd you give up so soon? And Jesus may be saying to all of us, don't give up too soon. Fail more, risk more, sink some more, and then get back up. That's what Brene Brown talks about. It's not about whether you fall down, it's whether you get back up. It's whether you rise strong. She actually wrote a book about that called Rising Strong. It's not about whether you fall down. If you're risking, you're going to fall down. It's about whether you get back up. Because failure is not an option, it is a necessity. Think about that. Failure is not an option, especially in church. It is a necessity. We cannot grow without failures. The president and national minister of the United Church of Christ, John Dorhauer, said the church needs to learn to fail faster, to pivot, to meet the times, to get out of our church boats, to better serve our communities, and to use this stormy time to learn how to reach more of you online, how to do more in our communities, and how to make sure that we're not seeking comfort rather than command. So, the point of today's challenging teaching sermon, because we've had a variety of sermons this summer, and this is a challenging teaching sermon. The point of today's story is not that Peter sank. It's that he got back up and walked on the water again. Because if you read further in the story, and that's another sermon, if you read further in the story, it says that when Jesus and Peter got back in the boat, the wind stopped. Which means Peter got back up out of that water and walked back to the boat with Jesus. He got back up. So this is not a story about failure and fear and not being enough. It's about a, it's a story about faith that is greater than doubt, faith that is greater than fear, faith that is greater than any failure. It's about grace that is greater than any mistake, grace that is greater than any shame, grace that is greater than the COVID pandemic, and grace that is greater than anything that separates us from the love and power of God. Please pray with me. Jesus, you are the Lord of the storm. And you and only you can give us power to rise above the storm. So God, we ask for that power that you would call us out of the boat. 
that you would make us brave in whatever storms we face right now in this pandemic and help us walk on top of this stormy time. And as we stand as a church in front of you, we say to you, God, give us a command. Command us. We are here. Send us in your name. In the name of Jesus. Amen.